Jared and the GM on ESPN 1025, the game. So you were just saying on the on the QB sneak, or not the QB sneak, excuse me, on the goal line stand that won the game for the Titans, when they lined up, you said this is the most interesting part that we never, ever talk about. What part were you referring to? I'm sorry to make a discussion that we were having off the air and on the air discussion, but we were watching the end of the game here during the commercial break, and... Is it the fact that how long it took them to start the clock or? No, when they stop it and and if they should stop it because they have no timeouts. Mm-hmm. They have nothing. And so I'm I'm just curious and, and they're not showing the clock now, but I'm just curious as to when, the, you know, they actually blow it dead because even if they blow it dead, the clock still runs. Are and, you talking? And, are you talking about on the uh, on the fumble play, or are you talking about on the one before that, which was reviewed, where they stopped Gordon short? They called touchdown, but then they reviewed it and they said that uh, he was down short of the goal line. Yeah, this is the one. See, this is the one. Casey ends up with the ball. Right, last see, play of the game. And look at how much time's on the clock. Seven seconds. Right. Seven seconds. So what I thought was, and they didn't even call to stop the clock. Yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. It should it should have just run to zero until they buzzed. And that down. would have been the end. Yeah, that must yeah. have been it, right? They and, must have buzzed or and, something. And, from I down. guess. I guess. I don't know. I was just hoping that we'd be able to see that. So it is time, though. Five o'clock on a Monday means it's time for Floyd's three things: three up, three down, three things the GM liked, three things the GM did not like. From Sunday's game. Oh, and by the way, I meant to tell you during the break, you should put your number one thing you did not like to be the fans and Jared who criticized Vrabel for his uh, for his decision making. But that's neither here nor there because I know that's the number one thing you don't like. But well, yeah, but they're used to that. They expect that. You know, that's no big deal to them. Well, it's time for what I'm used to, which is your wisdom on Floyd's three things. We start with the three things you did like. Number one. You know, the star for me, you have to not like, but you have to love our goal line short yardage defense. I mean, we are outstanding in third and ones and fourth and ones and, and on the goal line. And uh, and I don't, you know, they gave up the one play pass. And, and again, in an obvious, that's like this. If they If they would have thrown the ball here, it would have been an easy touchdown. When they hand off the because, Gordon and he fumbled the ball? Because there. Because there's, I mean, what's everybody thinking? Everybody's thinking the same thing. You know, if you throw it, you're probably going to win. It's just people are reluctant to, to throw it. But our goal line defense, goal line short yardage defense, is just fantastic. And for those guys to be down in this situation where it's, you know, time is a factor, the, you know, the ball's on the one-inch line or wherever it is, and for you to have enough belief and enough execution and enough whatever else to be able to pull that off, I mean, that's that's fantastic. I like the goal line defense. I think the thing I like about the goal line defense is there are players at every level that make plays on that, whether it's Bayard from the back, you got Casey Simmons now, who you trust, and then Woodyard and Evans I think everybody trusts as well. So I love the goal line defense. Number two. Second thing for me was I loved the second half offense both from a possession standpoint and a score standpoint that is we went in there in the second half and i mean we the first half our time of possession 
I mean, it was not pretty. And they had they had run a lot more plays than we had. Uh, but in the second half, we kind of took it over. And, you know, we had a couple of real, real long drives that um, that we were able to, to even score on. So, I mean, that's that is has been unlike us. Uh, but we certainly did a good job of it yesterday. Number three. And the third thing, you know, you have to say Tannehill and the receivers. I mean, you can't. You know, you can't go without patting those guys on the back. We we saw, you know, some things, some production that we haven't, and efficiency and effectiveness that we haven't seen for a while. And so, and I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. I'm just saying that, you know, it, it looked like, and we said this before, you know, you just want after the game to feel like, hey, this is a real NFL team. That was a real NFL effort. And I think after that game, we, we we can say that. Would you have given Ryan Tannehill a game ball if you were in the locker room after the game giving out game balls? Um, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. I mean, I know, I know what did they give him one? I don't know. I don't know either. Um, I, I, I'm gonna guess. I mean, I'm gonna guess Vrabel's not real big into a bunch of that stuff. Because it's kind of an individual honor. And, well, I mean, you know, he, he gives not, them. He's not going to like Yeah, I know he does. But uh, he's going to, you know, I'm going to guess if he had his choice, he would rather give it to a, a team kind of guy. Yeah, but would not you that, have, Not that Tannehill's not. I'm not would you have it. given one, though, to Tannehill if I, you I, were the coach? I don't know. I just think about it. Gotta give Tannehill a game ball. I mean, that's an easy decision if you want to. Three down. Number one. First thing that that we really struggle with that really, you know, we expected. We talked about this before the game, but the coverage on the tight ends and the running backs. I mean, we, you know, we were worried about Hunter and worried about Eckler, scared to death about those guys and what they could do. And sure enough, they got in the game and and tried very, very hard to spoil it for all of us. Uh, so, you know, we have... The tight end, when we play zone coverage, has been a problem for us for a long time. And this is something that we have got to get corrected and fixed some way, somehow. Because, I mean, there are too many good tight ends. We're going to play in the next little bit that will be a factor. And you go back to like Andrew Luck. Once they know, it's like the it's like the offensive line, or the offensive line problems. You said once there's blood in the water, then everybody goes for it. And I think the tight ends are the same way. As you keep saying, we the Titans keep putting these guys into the Hall of Fame, the uh, the opposing tight ends. Number two. Second thing you didn't like. Second thing I didn't like was the inability um, by our defense to limit the possessions in the first half, to limit the third down conversions. They had the ball forever. And I understand, you know, it's Rivers. I understand that, you know, he can convert. On any down, I understand all those things, uh, but but it seemed like it seemed like we, you know, gave up not gave up, but we didn't perform up to you know our standards on a couple of those, and it ended up you know with them being able to keep the ball for five, six, seven minutes, and our offense just sitting on their butts, you know, not good. Number three. Third thing, and you know that's going to be this way forever, is the kicker. I mean, you got to be worried about the kicker, 
and and I know, you know, he kicked a field goal for us that was a lot longer than that PAT. But anytime anybody misses a PAT, that's kind of a red flag to me. Oh, they would have been killing the Titans. And I'm talking about the fans today. If you lose that, I mean, I, I think that Parkey's miss PAT changes absolutely everything at the end of that game outside of the result because you won the game because of the strip. But even going back to that fourth down, don't you punt the ball on fourth and inches if you're up by four as opposed to three? Uh, Maybe. Because they have no timeouts, and they have to go in 230 See, and score there was, a touch. There, there was still a bunch of time left. 230. Was? Yeah. So your sneak, was it like 236 was when you sneaked it uh, and didn't get it. And so they would have been able to complete one ball in the field to play before the two-minute warning, and then Rivers would have had to go the length of the field and score a touchdown. And with Kern, I mean, you're you're talking about Kern putting the ball at like the four-yard line because you have so much faith that he's going to do that. So I think it would have been, had Parkey made the PAT, you punt the ball, and you take your chance with Rivers, and I think everybody in the stadium would have been okay with that. I would have been okay with that. Because they've got to go, again, 90-plus yards in 230 with one timeout. That's hard to do in the NFL. And then that's when you start getting into just chucking it up there, and then you get a PA, an interception, and it's something you win the game. So those are Floyd's three things. Three up, three out, three things he liked, three things he didn't like. And I'm with you on the kicker, and I'm worried about the kicker. And even when Suckup comes back, I'm not convinced Suckup is going to be 100% when he gets back in there just because – of what he's going through. More of your phones, 615-737-1025. But coming up next, I've got a feeling about the end of yesterday's game. And I don't want to sound too dramatic. So I'll ask Floyd if I am. We'll get to that next. Jared and the GM live from the Wholesaling Studio, powered by RumbleOn.com. Titans Monday. It's ESPN 1025, the game. Chargers down by three. Rivers on again. Gordon... Did he get in? Well, this official says no. Oh, the clock is rolling. Nine seconds. Eight seconds. Titans have the football. Is that a fumble for Gordon? And here's a bit of action. After reviewing the play, the runner lost the ball prior to crossing the goal line. There's a clear recovery by the defense. It's a touchdown. What a bizarre ending this has been in Nashville. There you go. Titans win on the wild ending at the end of the Titans game. Floyd, is it too dramatic to say that the goal line stop at the end of the game saved the Titans season? <laughs> I, I would imagine it is, but then I call me over dramatic. I understand why you why you would say it, but um, I mean you were you were ready to give up. You've been ready to give up on the season for the last couple of weeks, anyway. Absolutely not, Ian. So this would have been a great excuse for you, and that's why. And and I'm sure the fans and I can both agree on this. That's why we're glad you're not on our goal line defense. 
because they didn't give up. No matter what, they didn't give up. Vrabel said that he was contemplating letting the Chargers score. <laughs> well, didn't have to. That was before the uh, the false start where they moved it back five yards and then Butler got flagged for interference, which I thought was uh, the whole ticky-tacky the whole interference st- call. P- the clock in that latter part of the thing really affected what was going on. Oh, yeah, because when because there's 40 seconds. Was, yeah, he started off. He was going to... He was going to try to conserve time. And then after they stopped him, then all of a sudden, or maybe after the the reception that didn't make it, then all of a sudden, you know, he's saying to himself, okay, that's not going to work. Now we got to try to find a way to just keep him out. It kind of changed it. So I, I think that I think it is very fair to say that the goal line stand saved the season. I said on this show, and I believe that the Titans lost on Sunday – that if they lost yesterday, it was over. That the season was over. And I think for the Chargers, their season is over. There's no coming back with that Charger team. As injured as they are, there's no coming back from 2-5 and five, or whatever they are. It's over. And I felt like with the Titans, had they lost that game, it's over. I mean, you look now, the AFC South, the Titans are still in last place, but everybody is just jumbled up in the mix that if one team were to reel off seven out of eight that all of a sudden you would be sitting pretty you know you would probably have a playoff spot at that point and that's where what the titans are probably going to have to do but Tannehill gave me hope that they can do that and a caller called into the morning show today and and the caller said something along the lines of I remember in 2002, or no, I don't even think he said 2002. He goes, I remember one year back in the old Titans, D-Mace, when you were on the team, and uh, the Titans defense made a goal line stand to win a game, and that got the team going. And I think it was against Cleveland, and you guys made a goal line stand, and that got them going. And being the Titans nerd that I am, I immediately text Nick, Kale, and I said, uh, actually, it was the 2002 season against Cincinnati, and D-Mace practically won the game for the team. Now, Nick brought up that I text, uh, texted him that, and D-Mace said he didn't remember. And I pulled it up. D-Mace had a 32-yard touchdown and a 16-yard touchdown in that game for the Titans to win. But the Titans were up by six and, the Bing- and stopped the Bengals on four downs in order to win that game. And remember, the Bengals were bad back in those days. And they stopped the Bengals on four consecutive downs to win that football game. Next week, Indianapolis, win. Next week, Houston, win. Next week, Pittsburgh, win. Titans rolled off. The rest of the season lost one game the whole rest of the way and ended up making it to the AFC title game in 2002. I wonder if that caller is right from the morning show and if this goal line stand with the addition of Tannehill and the addition of Simmons, if this can get the team going, and more importantly, did it save the season, keeping you from what would have ensued had you lost last night of, hey, is this coach in over his head? Can this team get any better? Why does this team keep losing games? Is it a leadership problem? All of those questions they don't have to face this week. And they can focus on Tampa Bay. And they're coming up on a stretch of games, I think, which are all going to be down-to-the-wire winnable games that if they get on a roll, they can get themselves right back into the playoff discussion. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're hoping. We're thinking, hoping that, you know, I mean, we've we've said before, we've had parts of this team that were in good shape and, and in a position to win right now. Um, and then we've had parts of this team that were really struggling. So hopefully now... 
maybe we can, you know, if we can remedy the struggle part, then uh, then we can go out and compete with a bunch of these teams. So I don't know if anyone has said this yet. Do you know who the honorary twelfth Titan for this Sunday's game against the Bucks is? No, I don't. Ian, do you know? D. Mace and Chris Johnson are the honorary twelfth Titans. So congratulations to D. Mace. Yeah. Who will be... Is that they stick the sword in the ground yeah. thing? That's cool. So D. Mace is going to be the honorary. So we hope that D. Mace uh, has a good time and that the fans cheer on D. Mace. But D. Mace is going to be the honorary 12th Titan. Back to what I was saying, though. I am convinced. Now, look, the Titans may go out, lose this week to Tampa, lose to Carolina, and all of a sudden, you know, pack it in for the winter and we'll see you next year. But... I felt like the goal line stand saved the season. I don't think there was coming back from two and five. Not the way this team's trending. That one little play, the one little mistake by Melvin Gordon, I think just saved the year. Saved the season. Also, has there ever been anybody who has held out and had a worse result because of it than Melvin Gordon? <laughs> I'm sure there has. I don't know. He but doesn't even look like a football player he, he's, anymore. He was struggling. And they and they were struggling to run the ball, which didn't help him. But I'm, he fumbled it twice and fumbled the game uh, winner away and I'm couldn't get in on the goal not line. He's more of a receiver. Used more as a receiver. Well, why would you use him as a receiver when you got Eckler? I'd, say I'd use them both. That's what I'm saying. I mean, so I'm, again, I am convinced that the goal line stand saved the season. I don't see why can't you get behind that. Why can't I get? Yes, behind you are it? a smart man. That's why I can't get behind it. <laughs> Give me that look like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I ain't talking to this guy anymore. To your phones, Josh has been waiting patiently on Matt Lefleur. 615-737-1025. Go ahead, Josh. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. First, let me say I love the show. I love how uh, passionate you are, Jared, about all the different topics. But I do, that's why I do got to ask kind of threw a lot of hate towards McCoy when he went to Green Bay. So what are your thoughts now? And I'd love more of an answer than just Aaron Rodgers. Well, I think that is the biggest answer, and I think Mike Pettin, the defensive coordinator, is the second part of that. But I would say this. The one thing that Marcus's failing this season did. Coach of the year. And what Tannehill yesterday did is it puts you into, it puts a lot of perspective in there that maybe Marcus was the problem. Six and one. And so you see Marcus, and you see him not be able to complete a ball, and you wonder, like, maybe the scheme was good, and maybe Corey Davis is a good wide receiver who should have been taken fifth overall. And maybe Derrick Henry can run the ball, and maybe this offensive line can block. It's just Marcus stinks. And I don't know if that's the answer or not, but it definitely is starting to feel that way. As far as Lafleur is concerned, Lafleur's success in Green Bay I think is a product of his great defense and his great quarterback. But I will say this, the more Lafleur performs in Green Bay, the more I worry about Vrabel here as the coach. What's the record? I don't know. Better than Vrabel's. 6 and 1. 6 and 1. Only I think he's the only new coach with even anything close to a winning record. I think all the rest of them are really, really struggling. So he's stepping on out, coach of the year. He'll be the guy. 
<laughs> you act like that's a good thing. It's a bad thing. It's a great thing. It's a bad thing if you lose coaches and then they go been, off and they are significantly better elsewhere than what you currently have. You have you have been ugly to him for a year. Just you cannot get behind him in any way, shape, or form. And I, I don't know. Maybe he's a much better head coach than he is coordinator. <laughs> You know the other rookie head coaches don't have Aaron Rodgers. Oh, okay. And Mike Pettin, Mike Pettin, if they if they give Lafleur coach of the year, Mike Pettin should be coach of the year. And let's not kid ourselves about Lafleur last Monday night. That was all the officials, not anything with that. So I'll believe it when I see Matt LaFleur hold a Lombardi trophy, and then I may give up football and never watch again. 615-737-1025-615-737-1025. Did we see signs of taking off from the Titans, where they may be taking off? We'll get to that coming up next. Hey, do not miss the pregame show. That's right. Back to 930 Going back to 9.30 like normal. 9.30 for the pregame show. Live from the George Jones downtown on the 2nd Avenue this Sunday. Jared the GM and Chris Sanders from 9.30 to 11.30 prior to the Titans in Tampa Bay. The pregame show is brought to you by Wholesaling, powered by RumbleOn.com, Kubota Tractors, your middle Tennessee Kubota dealers, and Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. We will see you there. It's Jared and the GM right here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Phillip Rivers, 14 of 20, 158 yards and a touchdown. Rivers engulfed it is Jeffrey Simmons with his first NFL sack the rookie out of Mississippi State back from a torn ACL and producing for Tennessee uh, he's showing real good mobility there as he he pushed Sam Tevy back about five yards and then cut right to the where he knew Rivers would be stepping up into the pocket I felt him I think there was some push I think that there was I mean it looked like a big dude that was you know, going forward, was excited about playing football. It's a long journey for him. He's a great kid. He's a better person than he is a football player, and, and we think he's going to be a great football player for us. But you know, this is uh, it's the kind of guy that you want to be around. I'm glad he's on our team. The big daddy Jeffrey Simmons going to work yesterday in his first NFL game. Floyd, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Do you think the Titans could take off with the additions of Simmons and Tannehill. Do you think those two guys... I There's two ways to look at it. Simmons was key on one of the biggest plays of the game, the the strips, uh, the, the fumble recovery at the end, when he pushed the guard back to help make the play. Tannehill obviously lit it up uh, on Sunday as well. And so there's two ways to look at it. There's one way of the, you know what? This team has been a good team on the verge of winning games all season long. All they need is a little influx, a little shot in the arm, and Simmons and Tannehill are the shot in the arm this team needed. Or there's the other side of it that is you beat a bum charger team at the end because they fumbled the ball. Don't get too far ahead of yourself. Which one do you believe? Well, I mean, the one we need to believe is is the second one. You don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. You know, I mean... Um, for the sake of this discussion, I mean, is it is it a starting point? It might be. Yeah, we just don't know any of that yet. But but it would be nice. I mean, it would be a great story in the off season if you end up making the playoffs because 
of the changes that happened against San Diego Charger and a dramatic win and on and on and on. Um, but we know that, you know, the fairy godmother doesn't live in the NFL world. Hey. <laughs> so where you can, you can hope and, and we're all thinking that's, you know, that's what we would love to see. But we'll just have to, if it plays out that way, it would be fantastic. Um, if it doesn't, then, you know, I don't think we can be too shocked. This is why beating bum teams to get you going is a big deal. I go back again to the 2002 Titans season. Floyd, you were general manager. The team started one and four. The first loss was a, uh, was an eight point loss at Dallas is what it is. Then an overtime loss at home by three to Cleveland. Then 52-25 at Oakland. So now you're starting to get your butt kicked. 52-25 to the eventual AFC champion Raiders. 31-14 to Patrick Ramsey, Steve Spurrier, and the Redskins. That may be the best win Steve Spurrier had in the NFL. 31-14 at Nissan Stadium against your Titans. And it took a 23-14 win and a 30-24 win with a goal line stand against a bum Jacksonville team and a bum Bengal team in order to get your butts back into gear. And then all of a sudden you start beating the Indies and beating the Patriots and beating the Steelers and beating the good teams. And maybe that's what this Titan team needs is they need to right the ship against two bum teams, bad, bad Los Angeles, bad Tampa Bay, and with Tannehill in command, this thing's going to turn around. That'd be great, wouldn't it? But you can't bank on that, can you? No. But it'd certainly be great. But can you get excited about it at least? Sure, if you want to. But if you're an NFL guy, can you get excited oh, about no. that? <laughs> if you're if you're analyzing your football team, can you yeah. not say these two guys plus the momentum of playing some bad teams is going to get the Titans over the top? No, I, no. I mean, I just want them to find out, figure out a way to beat Tampa this week. That's all I'm worried about. <laughs> I'd get you to four and four. That'd so, be a nice start. So here's where here's what I I wonder about is just looking at the schedule is going to be at Carolina. Now, Carolina has Kyle Allen playing quarterback, and I don't think they're going to go back to Cam. But Cam, I think, started practicing either last week or this week. Cam's going to start practicing. And eventually, Cam is going to force the decision, right? Like, we saw that with Brady and Bledsoe, where eventually Belichick had to make the choice, and he chose Brady over Bledsoe. Uh, We saw it in Dallas. Tony Romo breaks his collarbone, takes eight weeks, comes back, and then they made the choice to go to Dak Prescott over Tony Romo. There's going to come a moment where they've got to pick Cam or Kyle Allen. I would pick Kyle Allen because I think Cam sucks. But if they pick Cam, I think you have a shot to win that game because I don't think Cam's very good. Now, if they pick Allen, then there's all the drama of, you know, uh, Cam is on the bench and what's this do to the team, and all of that. But I do think Carolina, without having really watched them play much this year, I do think Carolina is an okay football team. That's where it starts to get a little iffy. If you can beat bum Chargers, bum Bucks, and then win one against Carolina, then you've got a Mahomes-less Chiefs coming in here, and that's where you get on your roll. Then if you can win those four, then you're six and four and you're in position to have a good season. And here come the AFC South teams and you've got Jeffrey Simmons in place. And for some reason, 
I feel like the next two games might mean the whole year, especially Tampa Bay, but coming off the heels of the goal line stand and Simmons and Tannehill, that might be exactly what the Titans need that will get them going in the right direction. I hope. I mean, I'm all for it. But let's just beat Tampa. Can we do that? Can you help us just beat Tampa? That would be the biggest thing. Tampa sucks. We'll get into them on Thursday. There's no way Tampa Bay is a team worth talking about on Wednesday this week. We'll get to Tampa on Thursday because, again, we cannot talk Tampa. We cannot talk Tampa football on a Wednesday here. They just put up a lot of points. Tampa? Yeah. Their offense, I mean, is just really good. With Evans and Godwin, they're going to put up some points. Yes, they are. You would think. Well, then you just have to play better defense than you played on Austin Eckler. If you can do that. I don't know. They're pretty good. They got a big old group of receivers. Vrabel tells a story about Jeffrey Simmons. Again, I'm not convinced that Simmons that Simmons just started practicing on Wednesday. I mean, there's no way that a guy that just started practicing last Wednesday could have the effect he had on the ball game. Vrabel was talking about Simmons making the decision to play uh yesterday. Happy for Jeff, happy for the entire team, but that was um it's cool for him to play in his first game and and be able to contribute the way he did and see some of the stuff that we had worked on while he was coming back from his rehab. And again, it was a big decision for Jeff. I think that it's cool for me to be able to sit there on Saturday morning and, and have him come in and say, you know, coach, I'm I'm ready. You know, I'm I'm confident in, in being able to go and play in the game. Because it was up to him, you know, what I mean it's like, Jeff, you just have to tell me you're cleared medically, you have to tell us that you have the confidence uh, to go out there and play. And, and when you tell us that, that's, that's what we're going to do. I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, we're two and four. You know, you're playing. Would never do that. Would never do that. Would never want anybody to do that to my son. Um, and he came in, and it was a cool thing. He was, he was emotional to be able to, to recognize that dream and playing in the National Football League. I just can't believe the, the Cinderella fairy tale. That is, Simmons just started practicing on Wednesday – has never put a jock on in the NFL, just started practicing Wednesday, and then all of a sudden goes in there and makes plays, about five or six plays out of 20-something snaps, as it looks like an NFL vet out there. I just can't buy it. I can't buy the, he came to my office and he told me he was ready to go, and he went in there and he, I mean, that doesn't happen unless you're just an incredible player. The You know the NFL has spotters. That come to practice. No. What's a spotter? It's a guy that comes to practice and makes sure that... Every day? Not every day. So it's like drug testing for for practice. Yeah, they don't... But you don't know when they're coming. And they just show up. And they'll go through and count everybody on the field, make sure you don't have anybody practicing that's not signed. They work for the league? Yeah. Work for the league. And... uh, Yeah, but when the guy shows up to the gate at... One o'clock for a one thirty practice. They have all. They have. They radio up to Vrabel. Say, hey, he's coming. They've got a straight shot to everything. They've got a car, a a parking pass to get in. They've got keys to door. They could. They just can literally walk right through, and go into the training room and stuff like that. I mean, they check everything. They don't want you, and not necessarily for injured players as much as for stashing players. You know, instead of having. 
10 guys on your practice squad, you've got 15 guys because it helps you practice. Well, they, they don't like that. I can't imagine that when you were general manager, you didn't bend a single rule in the NFL rule book. I was legit. I was, I lived by that rule book. That was my baby. Liar. <laughs> the look on your face tells it all to me right then and there. Is it the same yeah. guy that comes to every Titans time? Is this like a designated guy that's yeah. just in charge of the Titans? It's a guy here in town. That's okay. just He's got one job. or Not one job. He's got actually got another job. But How much money do he, you make doing that? I have no idea. Hell, I want to do that. But they'll come out there and they'll check and, and uh, they know the roster. And they'll say, "Hey, where's uh, where's Ben Jones? Uh, he's you know got a this or that, or he's in the training room. I mean, he walks right in the training room now to find Ben. Where's Ben? Okay, cool. All right, let's go check something else. I mean, they're everywhere. It's it's a little bit scary because they catch you. You know, the fine is sizable enough to intimidate me. It's scary." I would love to do that job. Where can I apply for that job? I have no idea. <laughs> I think you have to be, you know, a security guy or a cop or something. You know, they usually have guys that are. Can't just be detectives. Law, law enforcement mean, type, you know. Yeah, I probably wouldn't fit the mold. As a matter of fact, our guy, when when I was there, was, a, uh, was the um, head of. Security for Vanderbilt. So he would wander over there periodically. And he would just walk right in and just he wouldn't say a Street word to you? just come right in. You'd have no clue. All of a sudden, he's standing behind you. God, I would love where's, that job. Where's uh, Floyd Reese? He's, oh, he's over there practicing. Okay. I would love that job. The idea of Vrabel knowing that I can just walk in whenever I want and do whatever I want. Oh, I love it. Coming up next, Vrabel's reaction to yesterday's win today. We'll get to the highlights, what he had to say. That's next on Jared of the GM. It's ESPN 1025, the game. Jared of the GM, Titans Monday. Boy, these shows are a lot more fun to do when the Titans win a game than compared to when they lose a game. But, boy, they came as close to losing as you could ever come yesterday against the Chargers. Welcome to the NFL. By the way, do you think Tannehill would have been able to take him down the field? Like, let's say that the Eckler call hadn't come back. Because it's still not completely definitive that Eckler didn't score. I mean, I think it's probably the right call that they made. But, I mean, 100% sure that the ball didn't cross before his butt hit? I don't know. Do you think Tannehill could have led them back? With how much time? 36 seconds and two timeouts. Oh, tough. No, I don't. It's time now to take a look at what Mike Vrabel had to say. First thing was he really liked how A.J. Brown and Corey Davis, as well as the other receivers, not only played, but how they attacked the football. Yeah, there were some really cool shots of watching on film of these guys going and tacking the football. The quarterback throwing it you know, into tight coverage. You know, There's tight match coverage, and I felt like really Corey took that to heart of going and attacking the football, and, and we're going to need that. You know, Those guys, Corey and A.J., I mean, they're big players. They got strong hands, but they're not like blocks. They got great hands and they're strong hands. They're physical uh, and they can catch those contested passes. And, uh, you know, I thought Hump worked. I thought Furt gave us a little spark. I thought Janu, I mean, what, the way Janu caught the football yesterday, 
I mean, the first play of the game, a back shoulder, he's attacking the football, not catching it behind his body, catching it out in front of his eyes. Those are all the things that we've practiced. What did you think of how the wide receivers played yesterday? Oh, I thought they played well. Very effective. Efficient. Ran good routes, caught the ball, which I'm not sure they didn't run good routes all along, but uh, caught the ball well, caught the ball uh, in contested areas, which I was worried probably the most about um, because you, you had a feeling, you kind of thought that Tannehill would be one of those guys that will be willing to throw it in there. You know, if you got a half a step on him, and then then I need to put it on you. And uh, and I think he did that a couple times. They responded well. They just didn't. I think he got a bunch of receivers involved, got a bunch of people involved, and that's positive because, you know, like this week in practice and this this next game coming up, there'll be a lot of, hey, Ryan, is that, did I run that right? Is that the way you want it? You know, kind of talk because they know that, you know the chance there's there's going to be a chance they'll all get a shot. I wonder if a lot of how they played is how they've been playing all along, and the Mariota just wasn't good enough to capitalize on how well that they how good those guys are. I mean, we were told that they upgraded the weapons, but then we didn't watch the weapons do anything, and then they went out yesterday and they balled out. Even Sharp, even Sharp had a touchdown yesterday. Uh, Mike Vrabel decides not to punt. He decides to go for it on fourth down. They don't get it. Why did he decide not to punt? Even if Kern punts him down inside the 10 there, though, you still think that... I I just think that the guy across the field, right, if you look back at really that drive, four plays, what I felt like was our worst defensive series of the year, we're going to pick up that first down. We, we are. We're, we're going to execute it better. We're going to coach it better. And, and that's, that's just really what we're going to do. And that was the decision. It was Phillip Rivers with a lot of time to come down there and, and, and tie the game or, or score a touchdown. And that's why I made the decision. I don't totally agree with it. But he says, we're going to get it from now on. I think at some point you got to understand. He, I think Rabel likes to believe in his guys. So he likes to look at him and say, hey, we can get that yard all the time. But there is a point in time where it's like, no, 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 no. You need to go ahead and punt. Or no, 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 you need to go ahead and kick a field goal. Like there there comes a point in time where you have got to say, hey, you got to do the smart football thing here. I worry Vrabel's not totally sure of where that line is. I mean, I don't think every decision that I've seen him make when I hear him talk about it makes perfect sense. Even the Falcons one? Which one was the Falcons one? The one where he didn't kick the field goal that would have put him up three scores in the fourth oh, quarter? Oh, no. But he, he came back and even he said, said that, that yeah, messed, he re- he messed he that up. Yeah. So, no, I, I would have kicked it. Um, but other than that, you know what? You can, and and this is part of the reason that I, I always, I never permitted myself to get all hung up on a fourth down call because it it doesn't make you saw them. They ran a fourth down. They ran a fourth down in the very first uh, series, and passed up points to do it, or maybe passed up points to do it. And and I don't know if he's catching heck, and you know, in L.A. now. But do you think they um, care? I don't know. But in L.A., I mean the the um, the point being that you know I think this happens and all the time and for different reasons and and. Um, and, uh, you know, I had no problem with this one. Finally, at the end of the game, 
Vrabel gets down there using timeouts, not using timeouts. What's the thought process as the coach of what you're going to do? Use your timeouts. Try to force a stop. Let them score. This is Mike Vrabel on his thought process at the end of the game. But then when they start to decide to run it, I'm like, well, maybe we just keep stopping them. They haven't run the ball very well, and we're, we're doing okay. Don't let, Let's take the 10-second runoff, start the clock, and see if they could potentially you know, get in a pile and not be able to spike it and kick a field goal or whatever they're going to do, kind of keep the pressure on them um, at that point in time. So you asked me about the last play. We see the ball out, see Jarrell with the ball. I think they, they roll him down, but I think they stop the clock. My guess is because they buzz down from upstairs in a matter of two or three seconds. I, I don't know because that's really the only thing that would stop it at that point in time would be that they buzzed it from upstairs. I saw them stop it at, at seven seconds. They tell me they're looking at the play. I ask them what the scenarios would be. How much time would they have if they gave them the ball back? They said that there would be five seconds after the 10-second runoff. They would walk in, walk away, start it, and at that point in time, the Chargers would have a decision to make whether they're going to hand it off, throw it in the end zone, or clock it on third down. That's where if you, that helps. That's kind of where you start to feel like you sympathize with the coach a little bit because there's a lot of moving parts at the end of that game. Like, oh, call timeout, save time. Now they fall start. Oh, hey, maybe we stop them. So then they start to run the ball. Hey, maybe we stop them. They got to clock it or they got to try to win the game. And if they screw that, then we win the game. Like, I understand where Vrabel's coming from. Is it, like how hard it is to manage your timeouts at the end of that, trying to figure out what you want to do when the target is constantly changing. Yeah, I mean, he, he right off the bat took uh, used a timeout instead of letting like 10 seconds run off because I, I want to say, and don't hold me this, but I want to say there were like 35 or 40 seconds left on the clock, and he's thinking to himself, 36. I've got to, is that what it was? Mm-hmm. I've got to conserve this this clock so that I at least have a prayer to get well then all of a sudden they get a penalty and all of a sudden you know all of that changes and he's looking at it now and he's thinking now wait a minute you know it's I'm not going to have enough time one way or the other so I've got to go ahead and see if I can't find a way to you know to win the game down here tough 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 way for the Chargers to lose good way for the Titans to win We'll get back to this tomorrow. We'll get on to Tampa Bay as well and so much more throughout the week. Meanwhile, Preds tough loss Saturday in overtime. Preds Insiders is next. Ryan Porth, Adam Dengen, they've got all that covered. We'll see you, Jared the GM.